You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha. Greetings. This is Quantum Leap Book Club, and this is Parisha. Your co-hosts are actually with us this week, Maria Jockis. We have Geraldine Dalby-Ball and Trina Cooper. We have Marianne Love, and we have, I think that's about all of us. So we're actually looking and working with the book that uh, we love Fred Allen Wolf's book and work period. He has a lot out there, but matter into feelings actually is a book that I've taken time with. And I, I, it seems to be a little more dense than what I like in how I look at things. Um, Wolf will go off. He, when he's talking and he's teaching, he's, he's constant science. You can't even have coffee and tea with this guy that you don't end up in some quantum you know, exaggerated circumstance. Okay. So basically what he does in his books is that he wants, he'll start with the idea and he starts bringing you the particular perspective he wants, but then he'll go into a lot of very in-depth detail. And for us who are trying to actually review the book for you and with you, okay, that can be pretty difficult to try and fit in to actually just trying to summarize and give you an overview of exactly the value each one of us individually saw in that chapter, okay? So we are encouraging you to please read the book, and especially if you're one of those people, like myself, I like a lot of detail. It's just that Wolf kind of even overdoes it for me. So I would like you to know that before we start, because that definitely is something that can help you burn it into the neurons and remember exactly the activities going on when we're describing things. But at the same time for us to just share it with you and keep things on a light note, that gets pretty heavy. So I'm going to ask one of my co-hosts, Maria Jacques, to actually start with us on chapter four and read the part that starts with Dalit. Yes. Okay. So we have Dalit to Mem. And Dalit represents resistance or response to movement. Dalit appears as a common inertia of materials and plays a vital role in the universe. It is the force of resistance in the universe. Dalit transforms into Mem as primal resistance turns into the waters of memory. Without the ability to change resistance into a record, life could not store information. DNA could not arise, and we would have no idea as to who or what we are. Even the question itself would fail to arise. Very, very good. Uh, with that, what I want to actually bring to your attention is how, how he's using the Hebrew glyphs here is actually how if you each glyph is a science of itself okay definitely worth investigating if you haven't okay and actually looking at this everything resolves itself to 
some level after a point of resistance. There would be no activity, no life, if we didn't have resistance. So when we get resistance, we seem to be in the negative on it, which means, okay, it's actually the stimulant that creates the activity of the whatever, the whatever, okay? And so when we make a decision, you're going to have resistance. So the best thing to do in, in actually laying out a plan is to actually already be a good strategist and look at what your pros and cons are going to be. Prepare yourself for it. And in the preparation of that, how mine works into this, and which is what Dalit is calling the waters, okay, memories, collected evidence, uh, a number of things will play into whatever plan you're making, okay? But the point is to know all of the inner activity that will take place because you have made a decision and a plan, okay? Be prepared for it. It helps you actually have the successes that you get. There is no success without failure. There is no failure or action at all without resistance. So when we come to this chapter, we're going to be talking about memory, okay? The title of our chapter four is Trickster is Our Memory. The rabbit is actually, the for the Cherokee people that of my tradition, we actually see the rabbit as the trickster. We use that little icon of a rabbit to represent when... There are things being exposed, um, some ridiculous thing that come up, or just to see the overcomplications that we put into life over this, this, or that, or an emotion. So every people's, every culture has a trickster. And when you get into the esoterics and that, the trickster plays a major role into the actual knowledge of our creation and our of who we are and what we are. Okay. And so this will be a real interesting chapter for sure to look into and to read. And like I said, you'll find there are some parts he goes into some in-depth, you know, details of different particular alchemy. And that's definitely something you'll want to look at if you're looking into this yourself. Okay. When we're talking about the trickster, what we begin to see here is how he actually weaves into what our whole chapter is about, that our memory is so vast that we can't trust whatever little detail we're hanging on. Like we'll have some emotional reaction to anything that's going on. Okay. We'll have our own, our own particular implications of what it is to us. So individual that is right. And then what we have to do is realize we'll add into that all the other particular whatever is going on in our mind and in our particular feeling, our emotions. And then when we actually say this is an accountable, factual memory of this incident, untrue, can't be and will never be. So I think that in this chapter, it helps us understand why you could have three people in a situation that will swear that this is different from the, each of the other two because of the fact that we do see it from that perspective. And as we weave through, the co-host will actually cover with, with their sharing here how we have past lives that move in, if, if you're a person in that, how you have parallel worlds for sure, okay? And how you have all these other moving 
particular in and out of time span stuff that's actually affecting how you believe this actually happened. So I'm excited that you get to look at that and that we can see we can't trust memories. So if we have a painful one, if we have something we're holding on that actually creates anything in our day that could be considered negative or suffering or whatever, you know, you want to retake it after listening to this review because it's not the way that you're making it happen. It's different. And when you are willing to look at that, you can resolve things, let go and move forward to a greater awareness of happiness, okay? So we're gonna start out with allowing Trina, Trina Cooper, who's uh, somewhere around Denver. So Trina, you you there? I am. Can you tie this up, what you got out of this chapter for us? Yes, I thought this was a fascinating chapter and it's called The Trickster in Our Memory. So if we go back to the idea of Dalit and Mem and the resistance, this line of constantly moving forward at the same pace, never changing, and then all of a sudden, some experience, some sensation or thought or feeling or whatever will bump into that and kind of knock it right out and begin to change things for us. So we have to remember that things are recorded in our minds based on these things from the last chapter, we talked about the thought, the sensation, the feeling, the intuition. These, this is how we move around inside. And each of these, as we experience, as we sense something new, creates um, that bump in, in the way we were moving along. And sometimes the resistance can be really tough. And we bump into that all the time in our lives as we're trying to change things. So this chapter is about our memories and where is the trickster? The question is, are the memories really true? They're basically recollections that sometimes fade. They can be jumbled up memories from that have been added together. But basically it comes down to the fact that it's a perception of what we had that was imprinted in our brain, in our memories. So in this chapter, we're presented with a couple different ideas, the parallel universe theory and the brain hologram theory. And when we think about the parallel universe theory, the author actually gives us a really great story to look at. So grab your books and go take a look at it. But basically we rely on our memories and our thoughts and our sensations and our feelings, and our intuition in making the choices we have to make. In parallel universe theory, it's like all these particular possibilities are all lined up together, and we rely on some of this to make a choice which path we want to go, go down. And so those types of memories, those types of potentials exist all the time is what he's trying to show us. He also says we don't really remember time. We remember a sequence of events. And so those are imprinted in our brain. And as they, um, as we rely on them, sometimes they may not be true. The author then goes on to begin to talk about the brain hologram theory. That's the second theory here. And there is so much scientific stuff. So if you love science, grab your book, play with it. I played with it and found it really fascinating. 
So he invites you to explore this. Now, what we really need to remember about the hologram is that there's this reference point, this light that shines, it's split into a couple pieces that bounce off, interfere with each other and create an impression on some kind of recording device. That's in a nutshell. Well, basically we have experiences that come in. There's one that's the true, that's the reference. We have another one that holds the information. They can combine in different ways. And what we remember is the information coming off of this experience. Now, did we remember it correctly? Well, it depends on what our brain picked up in the first place. We don't always sense everything between what we hear, what we see, what we touch. And in this case, what is imprinted in our brain piles up with other memories that have been imprinted as well. So really the trickster in all of this is, and he actually says it in the book, as far as the human memory is concerned, we can't always know what part of the memory the sense was recorded. And so that's the tricky piece in all of this is we can't always rely. And then we need to think about it. Is it a complete memory or is it not? Is it just a little snippet? Is it layered on to a whole bunch of other things that when we have a new experience, um, what jumps out for us? What are we actually remembering? And then I loved his little quote. This is where the lucid dream starts. This is where we start creating the new. This is where we start at this point. So the question of this whole chapter is, can we really rely on the trickster memory? No, but do we? Sometimes yes. What we have to remember is that a new experience comes in, bounces off the old. It's a perception that was recorded in the past. And we need to use our thought, our intuition, our feelings, and our senses to make a choice to move forward. And that's what I got out of the chapter. That's very, very good. Very clear as well. Thank you very much. So I loved his whole section on memory. And I'd love to make some further comments later if this time. Was there any specifics in the chapter that actually stood out to you? I mean, you're, you've given a very generalization of your feelings about the chapter, and I appreciate that. But were, was there any particular uh, part of what he actually has given us to see what, what we're talking about when we say the trickster? Okay, uh, so Maria Jacques in uh, Miami. Uh, Maria, are you there? Can you actually give us your review of the chapter? Yeah, um, definitely. I, I can definitely appreciate Joyce sharing her resistances because I had my resistances to this too. But then the more that I sat with it, it's definitely like the introduction was saying, you know, you have to have that resistance in order for something to come forth. And in this chapter, he definitely takes us into exploring memory from a totally different perspective that I've ever been exposed to. And it's and and what it is is how memory can trick trick us into believing something, which is definitely why he's calling the chapter the the trickster. So first, what I thought is we could look at memory and what it is, and and what what current scientific theory tells us, and that our brains are organized to reflect everything that we know in the environment, 
And all the information that we have is exposed, we, we have been exposed to our life in the forms of knowledge, experiences, and they're stored in the brain. So that means all our relationships, the people we've known, the different things and all of that, we have, we store them as memories. But Fred Allen Wolf in this chapter takes us into a totally deeper perspective, which is the genius of this man really, as I see it, and introduces the concept of the trickster and how it can distort our factual, the, the factual recall, but at the same time, the, the trickster also reminds us that we can be deceiving ourselves. So he introduces the concept of the parallel universes as the key to understanding how memory works. And he reminds us, very, which for me was very, very powerful, that we don't exist in just one parallel universe. We exist in multiple parallel universes at the same time. So he uses this beautiful example, which is I, I thought was just ingenious, of a layered cake to understand the parallel universes. And each layer contains patterns. In any one layer, he describes it that it's similar to those clouds, you know, that jet engines leave after, you know, or, you know, that, or trail, whatever they're called, chemtrails that, you know, they leave those, those trails. He describes it as that, but he, what he says is that when those layers are superimposed on each layer as the layer of the cake, remember the cake analogy. I mean, think about, you know, multi-layer cake. Those overall pat then, then an overall pattern appears. And this, he says, is the universal hologram, which he calls the mind of God. Now, what really interested me as, as I got into this and got past the resistance was that he begins to speak of time and that it appears in a single layer. Now think of single layer of the cake. He says, each time that we have an experience, we enter into one of these layers. And probably we do this unconsciously and sometimes we're not even aware of it and we're moving from one parallel universe to the other and we're not conscious of it. When you look at, when you look at time encompassing all the layers, going back to the cake analogy, then he says time, at, time appears as what he calls the soul's mind. Yeah. So, then, so then what he's saying is time is not a true observable thing. So like, an ob like we observe objects in space or whatever. So we can't freeze time. Instead, what he says is that we observe, like Trina had mentioned before, we observe memory and sequences when we are observing time. So this really became, becomes really important because what he's saying here is that really there is no time. There are only memory sequences. And these sequences are recorded and then th that we randomly play, play them. So basically what he says, and, and when he said this, it was like, it just dawned on me. He, he basically is saying, there is no such thing as the past as we know it. And for me as a psychologist, I just went, oh, wow. The, then there's only memory sequences that in some way are related to each other. So when you have an overall pattern that he calls the soul memory, I mean, this has so many implications because what it is, it is opens the door to see how we use our memories and how we use our memories either to suffer 
or be happy. And that's the further exploration of this chapter, which was really amazing. Yes, very much. Thank you very much. Those details are important to know. So we're going to move on and actually let Geraldine Dalby Ball, who is in Sydney, Australia. So Geraldine, are you on? I am on. And the key thing that I learned right from the very beginning of this chapter is that who I am is my memories. And that's really how it started off that then led to the whole concept of the trickster. So if I associate everything in life with my memories, one, I'm in the past, and two, we quickly get into the book explaining to us how two key concepts, that is the parallel universes and the holograph, holographic aspect of our minds and our bodies, these two things together of the parallels and the holograms mean that there is a trickster. And what is a trickster? Well, like you'd think in anything, there's potentially some illusion going on. There's potentially something that's showing itself that is different from what it is. And a key one for me was really pondering this concept of parallel universes and playing with it since, um, since reading. For example, uh, it would be, uh, my son said last night, where's the mint? And I said, I put it in the fridge. And it wasn't in the fridge. And I went, ah, okay, well, if I just check in the other universe, I would probably put it on the table. And it was on the table. So it was just bringing this into a concept with a little bit of fun of like, oh, okay, well, okay, if it's not here, it was there. And if we look at the hardcore science of parallel universes, it's really telling us that anything that could possibly happen, not only may happen, but is happening. It absolutely is happening. So like a choose your own adventure, it's not one or the other, it's every single possibility running alongside each other, as the word parallel means, going infinitely forward, if we're even thinking of forward and back. At that moment, I could be running on one track, the me that's the memory of who I am in this time and place, and dip ever so slightly into that track next door. Or as he explains in the book, there can be a bleeding of these parallel worlds. As I said, it could be as simple as putting the mint in the fridge or putting the mint in the table. You may ask yourself, have I had those little moments where I've gone, I was sure I did ABC. Yeah, you did in a parallel. So this is about this memory being distorted. One, it could be distorted because it's from a different parallel. You did it in another world. That may sound way out, play with it. It's really quite fun. And it gets other people to laugh instead of saying, oh, you've led me on a wild goose chase. It wasn't there. Um, the other part is, uh, as Maria mentioned too, that time is a sequence of memories. And I looked at that in terms of there are, there's this beautiful phrase that, a life well lived is as if you put a um, if you put a little sticker or something from a if you had a great day and you wrote something in your scrapbook or something in your diary that day becomes seemingly very long so in this case we've made a memory sequence because we've done different things so that's also what the chapter helped me see in terms of memory sequences the more we get out of just doing routine the more time we have because that's what it is time is the memory sequence more in the memory sequence more time and you may have experienced that when you're doing same 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 every day time goes really fast so that's another thing that it taught me 
quickly onto that other moment, that other concept that I mentioned in terms of the brain as a hologram, it makes the trickster appear is the actual wording. If you have a look on page 85, and there's some diagrams that I suggest diving into, having a look, allowing yourself to be there. And a great thing that Professor Fred Allen Wolf says in, in some of his other material like yoga of time travel is we need to be able to say everything that I know is true may not be true. And he actually gives an exercise that says, okay, take something you know really well. Like I, I said to myself, when I breathe, oxygen goes into my lungs and that's how I get oxygen. Then he says, now say to yourself, that might not be true and feel that. Hmm. And then he says, say to yourself, it's definitely not true. So I have to say to myself, I don't get oxygen coming through my lungs. And what does that do to me? I'm like, oh, but then it started all these other possibilities in my mind. It was really interesting. I wasn't left with a, oh, I'm going to asphyxiate because I don't have oxygen. I had other ideas. So partly in this brain is a hologram as well, helps us find this trickster because we start to realize that it's, we're the one putting stuff out there. And it gives an example with the pianist. We hear it in our ear, but we see the pianist playing. So that's part of what we're looking at in this book. Everything we're doing may not be as it seems. It's real good. And yes, and he goes through, especially when we come over. And I, I think I would really like to see my co-host give us more on that. Uh, if not now, maybe on, a, on the following week. But when we get over on 89 and we go over to uh, 95, in fact, he goes on into it into 99 to where he actually gives us the concept of how all of this is going. And he's given us the, he's given us abbreviations, RW, IW, in order to actually have us understand when he's making the back and forth. Because to understand this is to actually be able to resolve all past and actually live in the, in the immediate present without actually having the impingement of emotional tags that'll hang on or your reaction, what, whatever's going on in the moving and uh, of all of the activity that's going on at any moment, our brain is accessing thousands of things at one time, anytime, okay? Even when you sleep. So at this point, when he goes through the back and forth and actually how we're forming such a memory, it actually helps you see and accept. For me, it helps me so, you know, definitely accept. There's just no way you can take a memory and say that's factually of, of an accounting of that time. It is not. Okay, it is not. So I would like to actually see that. And uh, I appreciate the details you've given us as far as the chapter, Geraldine. Thank you very, very much. Okay. And now we can uh, pull in another beautiful voice from Australia. We have Marianne Love, and she's in Melbourne, Australia. Marianne, are you on? I am. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I love this work because as a psychologist, we all, we're relying on memories and people's accounts of their stories to, you know, relate to suffering or pleasure and we're all about pleasure on this planet so it's really good to um, look at how he explains memory and I think what stood out to me in this chapter was how he described as the others have spoken about the parallel universes 
And that influences our under our memory or perception in this moment. And I thought what was fascinating was when you have more combinations in a parallel universe, as in more scenarios of a particular experience in the parallels, that that in itself influences what we're perceiving as our memory in this moment. And he goes into um, some detail in the book using like tossing a coin and the likelihood of different heads and tails showing up. So you might want to read that to get your head around it. Um, but the fact that the parallels are influencing our memory in this moment is is really mind-blowing, I think. And he he talks about the fact that there's a soul mind and the soul is able to then take in all the parallels and all that information becomes the soul mind and that that soul mind and our individual layer of our memory in any moment is actually complementary and I looked up that word and it says combining in such a way as to enhance or emphasize the qualities of each other or another. So what does that really mean for us in terms of anything being absolutely real? Um, nothing. It means that we can really focus on what we want to manifest and create in this world because nothing's fundamentally true in its nature. All scenarios exist and it's it's hard to get your head around the idea that there is a parallel where a lion, for example, chased you when you survived and a parallel where a lion chased you when you didn't survive. Like, how do you relate to that? And what does that really mean for, you know, a current experience where you're walking down the street and you feel like you're, you know, somebody's behind you? Like, how does that all fit together to give us our experience and our memories in the moment? So, I mean, in some ways it raises more questions um, but gives a very good science behind actually chipping away at no, we we don't have to um, hold anything as absolutely factual. We can really focus on what we want. Okay, they're very good. Okay, we're going to like open up for just general conversation with the time that we have left. And um, when... When you're really looking at this whole chapter, like when we go through it, he definitely touches, as some of you have on the parallel worlds, okay, uh, how that's going to actually affect uh, a lay person or a person not maybe so in-depth with uh, science studies or quantum studies or whatever, but actually to help those of you uh, listening to actually understand what what is the more practical message in what we're trying to say here because we kind of have a mixed audience uh, that listens to our show and that would be those who are probably very deep into alchemy and other things and then there's those of you who are in the place of just self-improvement self-development or whatever that you're happening to lower so I like how Maria went through the layer cake universe and actually followed how Dr. Wolf actually unfolds in the book and he does come right out introducing parallel worlds, okay? And for someone that maybe hasn't even heard of that, maybe someone that's saying, what is that, okay? That is an actual study all of itself. And he does briefly touch on it that, that there can be things that kind of leak over into or emerge over into whatever particular time space we're in. Okay, and can show up an influence, and it does, especially in dreams and when we're in a contemplative um, emotional self. Okay, and then the layer cake universe actually went goes into very much what Maria has shared, 
And it actually helps us understand the various levels of what he's trying to make his point and base his point on, that we cannot trust memory, okay? That whatever, whatever we're saying the circumstances were, especially if we're already holding on to it, okay? To actually have this experience with the trickster, you're holding on to something that may be impairing you, okay? And he's bringing in how many layers of probability in the thousands of things that are going on in the moment that you actually form that memory, okay? So then he takes you into the hologram and the holographic studies, again, are a whole subject of themselves. But he briefly brings them in because we are actually in the state of a holographic reality ourselves, okay? And when we realize how that can be influenced and the different wavelengths and different frequencies that can actually change the feeling that we have. Remember, the book is called Feeling Matter into Feeling, okay? This is something that's happening. We're going to describe it by our feeling of it, okay? And that's where he bases the book and the report on the book on. And then he comes on and he deals a lot. He goes through quite a bit of the book with the holographic uh, reaction to it. And he gives you some fantastic examples, okay? I would suggest that you do spend time actually looking at how he breaks this all down and the actuality of what's happening. It helps you if you're not really into all of the other subject matter, it really helps you understand the interaction and the inner exchange, the weaving, I call it, the weaving of what that tapestry of memory is going to be. And how much of that, the little tiny bit here and there, that could actually be real and factual, but most of it will not be. In fact, in actually working with this work for a good, oh, probably six years of really being very enmeshed into people's memories and trying to help people actually resolve things that were impairing their growth, okay? There, in cases, when we come down to using hypnosis, working with it and using actually all of the technology, we have to actually check brainwaves. The brainwave showed there was no truth at all in what the person was saying, not, e not even a tiny bit. It was totally blown out. So again, feelings and emotions is what we're looking at. And when we're considering all that, we do have to consider the many layers of what, what you know Wolf has gone through in this book. He actually takes time to talk to us about texting memory. And he says, real images and virtual reality is something that's there, but again, can totally be changed by our emotional feeling about it. And, and that's so adaptable. Each time you tell a memory, you share a memory with somebody, you actually add some of the emotional feelings you're having in telling and sharing the, the thing. I mean, how real can that be? Today, you're really very upbeat. You may add a little bit more positive. The next time you may have had a bad day or didn't sleep very well, and you're going to totally wash that out so that this, this memory keeps emerging. And it goes through not only what would have been present time, actual, factual, whatever happened. Now it's got all the times you've shared the story and how our tendency as human beings are to add something to it, make it a little bit more dramatic, actually bring it up to speed as to however we're feeling about it at that time. 
And so what do we use those memories for? And then when he goes in, like I said, all the way to the end of the chapter, he's taken us into actually the holographic reaction of the reality that we're living. And the details of that are all in chapter four. It is very, very important for you to understand this because so many of us in our pursuits of excellence and making uh, things better in our lives, the changes that we have to make, we're still basing some of the things we have to get over or whatever we have to change. We're still basing them on those memories. And the, that memory is actually what actually brings back up the chemistry of negativity. Maybe uh, there was a comment that you're making, you're blowing out a proportion that was so personal to you. Maybe somebody said something about your weight. Maybe somebody said something about how you thought or seen something. And they said some personal derogatory thing in that. And you're, you're, you're expounding on that to the point that it's taking a major part of present reality and just warp speeding it through all kinds of other activities that you have to now overcome. It's not necessary. First and uppermost, like I said, just knowing to me to say the trickster and being raised, like I said, with my Cherokee family around me all the time, we uh, the rabbit interacted with us every day. Uh, if if one of us got hurt or was crying in that, the elder or one of the wise ones would come with us and say, and okay, and what the mind child is doing, a word in our language would be mind child, meaning an immature mind, a growing mind, a changing mind, would see the, the rabbit and then they would talk about what the rabbit was doing and how it's creating its little illusionary effects here. And so that there was a lot of help helping us resolve whatever story we were going to make about that memory. So I, I apply that today, especially today in controversial issues where, you know, people take issue of saying that I'm Cherokee or take some other issue with a point I make in a teaching or whatever. I still go back through it and I put the trickster into the game and I actually see how the trickster is going to act with this. And, and how I'll say I, in my mind, my theater of mind, I'm actually saying, okay, and Parisha, you're going to exaggerate that a little bit because right now that was a sore spot. I mean, that's how we were taught to use the trickster, to know that our mind and our particular emotions and our experiences, even our style of life is going to play in all the molding and the forming of this clay that will become a memory. And in the essence of what we are as a universal being, we can add a whole mountain load of effects into that that just weren't there in that moment. Okay, so when we're looking at that and you're doing a lot of work to finally get yourself moving to where you wanna be, taking charge of your life, okay? Let's see how much of that's based on memories you have that keep coming back or things that come up often and hurt you again or whatever, to actually know that that is something that's changing and morphing as you think of it. Even the moment it comes up, it's already in a different stage, different roles and all kinds of other effects. And to not waste your time actually spending time trying to get over that. 
it's just real easy to say it is what it is and whatever of that you know cast it what do i mean by casting put your own particulars on it resolve it in your own particular way whenever i see something like that i say into whatever time and space that might exist or might not exist i resolve that to have any effect on me in this moment and at this time i am complete i am whole i am healthy i am wealthy i am happy and so we cast our own field of energy and we put it, put it out there and make it move to the direction we want it to. So just to give you something and to our listeners, so many of you share and talk about how, how much you're going through different changes and where you're going and sometimes how you just feel hopeless about it. Well, have a, how I would answer that as I have to many of your response, your uh, your um, post is okay to cut that out because you can't you cannot depend on that you cannot depend that today you are not being totally sunk into a, a, a well of memories that are just eating away to whatever confidence you were talking about no do not do that to yourself Bring yourself into knowing that even in that moment, and listen, some of you have shared some pretty tragic incidences. I mean, some of you have had some really unhappy things happen. That is, there's no doubt about it, okay? Uh, in those cases, and you're going to say, well, that's just kind of like trying to say that it was okay that that happened. And no, we're not saying that. That is not what we are saying. What we are saying is however it emotionally affected you, whatever that physical matter, situation, and factual circumstance was, it fell into the well of your emotional existence. And you've added to it all of your own judgments and your own sense of looking at it. We're not saying it justifies anybody else's whatever at, at any time. We're not saying that. We're saying, what is it doing in your time space? And how, if anything, is it apprehending you? And if it's a bad memory, it's apprehending you. So like I said, Wolf goes through the exchange on that, which I feel actually helps you be more accepting of what we've shared here. And so please spend time in the book on making clear what you want to have exactly with the experience that you do. You know, um, there's this wonderful, wonderful uh, nun that I met many years ago. She was actually in the, uh, the convent in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I was with her one day and she, she was a relatively young nun. So I was attracted to her and actually wanted to know what's it like to live like a nun, you know, and you're kind of enclosed here and everything. And how delighted and delightful she was about her story. And so, I mean, she was telling me all these wonderful things that brought her to the decision. And so later in talking to the priest who I had become great friends with, Father Stevens, I had mentioned her and everything and how wonderful her story was and everything else. And he smiled and he said, she is a gift to all of us is how to move from life's most extensive painful situations and rewrite the story to make it a happy one. And then he told me all the things that she had gone through. 
and how life had started for her kind of on the downside around four years old. And I was just stunned by that. And when I saw her again, I actually, obviously, Father Stevens had told her that we had talked and she come and she said, I want to make sure you understand something. And she said, in the science of mind, what I have learned is how we deceive and how we direct ourselves into harmful situations if we don't have a faith. My faith tells me I can write my story. And I can make every event in my story have a happy ending. And that's what I've done. And that's what I'm living. And that's where I'm at. That's what I want you to remember in what we've shared with this chapter. This is a way for you to not take serious those painful memories. This is a way for you to totally unlock the fact that whatever your experience in that moment and wherever you were in life at that moment is not what's right now in the present time. Now you can change that. You can make that a memory that gave you courage, a memory that gave you strength, a memory that picked you up from whatever and took you into a more powerful position in life. If we use our challenges and we use our pain to determine what it makes of us and what it can be as far as forming the clay that we are in those moments. Then we become that magnificent being that we are as human. And that would be what I would want you to take from this chapter and look at the many layers that's involved in a memory that actually is making your day cloudy. Turn it to sunshine. Look at that and realize that whatever that is, it was and is not actually factual anymore and can go away. Erase it. Are any of you, my co-hosts, got something you'd like to share? Yeah, I can share, Grandmother, directly to what you were saying, because I applied the whole concept of the parallel universes and that multi-layered cake. I, I really connected to that. And I applied it to my life by kind of, you know, an interaction with an individual that always kind of is difficult. And when I applied what he's presenting here in this chapter as, okay, well, that's how I remember it. But there's the possibility that in another parallel universe, this other possibility existed for this individual to be totally different and for my reaction to be totally different and when I finished working with that it was like the emotional the how I rehashed the, that relationship just totally dissipated and I think that that's what he's trying to tell us here and how we can practically use this like you were saying it's either we choose suffering or we choose happiness I agree. I totally agree. And it also helps me when I meet people that I'm not so easy with yeah. um, people, you know, people that will be very contrary to whatever I'm saying or whatever I'm trying to present and stuff. And we, I realize how we are magnetically drawn to people who are more agreeable or whatever. And I, I make it a point to adjust and adapt myself to the person who I would see a person of conflict for me. 
And in doing that, I can run through the hologram and everything else. That's why I'm saying to the readers, uh, to the listeners uh, and readers, okay, that you want to go back through the chapter and go through the back and forth that he does with real the real wave and how things are happening when this is happening. And then you see it and then you're accepting. You're very accepting of, okay, well, that that memory is based on whatever, whatever else at the time. And it most of the time will be based on fear. So, you know, you're going to add to it whatever supports that. So, yes. And I would imagine in psychotherapy, as you and Marianne Love are actually seeing clients and patients with that, you would be very, very much in a different frame of mind with your patients when you take this into consideration. So it's oh, very- absolutely, absolutely. Totally yeah. different perspective. Yep, yep. Okay, we're going to close for today. We thank all of you who have actually taken time to drop us a post and a message. And uh, we are looking to actually get better with it. Um, we're sort of in a place to where we have quite a few people that are listening to us and wants particular whatevers from how we do our hour here. So some want to know more that we're following along with the book and some want to know what we can add to the book because they're reading the book, the, the little distance it's got. And for those of you who have actually said that we add so much to the book that it's almost boring to read the book without actually hearing our commentary about it. We love you. We thank you. and We celebrate that for sure. Okay. But also those of you who are saying you could get a little bit more out of it for this or that, we will do our very best as we always do. And the thing of it is we present it to the highest level of what we can respect and deliver as truth. Okay. To us. All right. And so we celebrate that you move forward with this and actually gain a lot of new levels of happiness and actually understanding that memories aren't exactly what they appear to be. Okay. And so have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next week about this time. And meanwhile, always have all good things. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great week. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her 